ESPN Honolulu brings you On Point with Artie Wilson. Brought to you by Ultimate Innovations, Artie Wilson and Associates, Hawaii State Federal Credit Union, and the Kahala Clinic for Children and Family. Aloha and welcome to the show. Happy Friday to everyone. And as always, we're hoping you're having a great week. Looking forward to an outstanding weekend. And uh, I hope the best for everyone, especially former uh, Hawaii player and Miami Dolphin great Tua. I tell you what, I'm uh, prayers are there for Tua. I hope he has, uh, you know, a lot of good things that happen as he goes through his uh, test today. The one thing I'm clear on, there is no test uh that would allow me to think that he should be back on the field anytime soon because I think uh, clearly things have happened and, and affected him that uh, was kind of frightening yesterday. We just wish him and hope for the absolute best. By the end of the show today, we're hoping to talk with uh, one of the great doctors here in Hawaii about that because he is a brain specialist. He does the brain therapy, brain treatments, um, deals with concussions all the time, and he will be a, a valuable person to have a conversation with. We'll have Dr. Jason Kiefer on, hopefully, if he can squeeze it in between appointments about 9.40, 9.45 today. Looking forward to that. Anyway, uh, we'll get into some discussions later about uh, what's going on with the NFL and TUA and all the things, and, and there are a lot of uh, ramifications to what happened yesterday going forward. I think it's very clear that there's going to be a, an adjustment in some of the protocols and what, what they, uh, they look for and what they do, uh, and, and it should happen. Now, that's going to make some players and some people not real comfortable because, you know, if you got a fantasy guy, you're going to be all upset about him not playing when you need those points. Well, you know what? His life is more important than any dollar that you might bet on a game. Congratulations, Aaron Judge. Got that 61st home run. Hopefully we'll get additional ones. He is, uh, I'm telling you, he is He is special. He, he's a, a man. He's an athlete. It's, it's pretty cool to see what he has done. I'm excited to watch him going forward. Uh, hopefully his career will be long and continue to be great. Um, we've got a caller. Let's go to the phones. No? No? My bad. I thought I had something on my board that said we have a caller. Oh, Tanner, that was not for me. Okay, you were you were teasing me, man. You you put it out there and you teased me. Now that was from who was who was ever whoever was here yesterday. Oh, okay. they didn't they, they left it up there it's for not me. Mine. Okay. That's you, not, I'm not gonna take the blame you, for someone else. Okay, you didn't tease me. You just didn't see it and didn't erase it for me. Okay, that's good. I'm good. I'm good. Anyway, Aaron Judge, let's go back and congratulate him. Sixty one home runs. That's a lot of home runs. And the way he hits them, he hits shots. Uh, and it was kind of nice to see how bad did you feel for the fan who was within a couple inches of catching a ball that would have been worth a tremendous amount of money. And the guy looked like he, he was ready to jump out of the stadium. If you saw pictures of him after that, I mean, he was, he was bewildered. He was, 
he was in depression. I mean, they, they need to have someone be around to talk with him, to comfort him, because he was like beside himself uh, that he didn't make the catch. And uh, he was thinking that was going to take care of himself, his family, and his, his kids' kids for the future. And that ball, the value of that ball. Question for you, Tanner. If you had caught the ball, if you had caught the ball, would you have given it back to Aaron Judge or, or, or the Major League Baseball? Uh, or would you have been, and eh, you can have it, but there's a price to pay. You see, I've been, I've been scheming in the background this entire week because some people know I'm a Red Sox guy. Oh, okay. My brothers, they're Mets guys. So the family, we're very much anti-Yankees. Okay, so you didn't want that ball. I'm saying this. If I caught that ball, and if that ends up being the somehow Aaron Judge's last home run of the season, he's still got three games to get to 62. I'm holding on to that thing. Out of petty. Okay. Jimmy. And I would give like a uh, an outrageous price. And even if somehow the Yankees were like, okay, we'll take it, I'd be like, well, now that you say that. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'd make sure I'd make sure that they don't get that ball. Now you have you have some I'm just petty like that. You have some dislike for the Yankees, I'm hearing. You know, I think it just comes with the sport. You know, I never really the there's really only two teams that I really sports hate. And and Yank the Yankees are one of them. And just for some reason, I've never really I don't really watch a lot of baseball either. That's the thing. So there really isn't much reason for me to get all this hate because I'm not even from the East Coast either. So it's not like I watch the Yankees play either. It's just that there's something in me that is just like I've I've never liked the Yankees. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let me let me tell you from a personal standpoint. I have been a Yankee fan in some regards, and then I dislike the Yankees in a lot of regards. On a personal level, the New York Yankees was one of the two teams that was trying to sign my dad back in the 1940s when my father was a star in the Negro Leagues in, in Birmingham, Alabama, ended up playing in Mayaguez, Puerto Rico, winter baseball. And it was the Yankees. This was before Jackie Robinson, around, right around the same time within the year or so of Jackie Robinson wanting to sign. My dad was being, being scouted, and they were being, he was being uh, asked to come and join the Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland Indians owner flew down to Mayaguez, Puerto Rico, true story, got a crop duster plane and a megaphone and drove and flew around the, the city of Mayaguez and was yelling through the megaphone from a crop duster plane, if Artie Wilson is anywhere around, have him meet me at such and such hotel, Mayaguez Hotel. We are the Cleveland Indians. And the radio station picked that up and the word got out. My dad went and signed a contract with the Cleveland Indians. The New York Yankees went to the commissioner of baseball and said it was unfair business practices how the, how the Indians signed Artie Wilson. For weeks, my dad's status was in limbo because the Yankees and the Indians were in the commissioner's office fighting about his services to be 
maybe one of the first, if not the first black player to play in the pros in the Major League Baseball, the commissioner sided with the Yankees and voided my dad's contract with the Cleveland Indians. And my dad was, was awarded the property of the New York Yankees. My dad turns around and says, I'm not going to the Yankees. And that ended his situation with, with the New York Yankees. And he ended up not making it in the big leagues, ended up playing in the, on the West Coast with Oakland, Seattle, Portland, Sacramento, et cetera, et cetera. But I have, I have the actual telegraph from the commissioner of baseball informing my dad that he is no longer the, 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 a part of the Cleveland Indians organization. The contract is voided, and he's now awarded to the Yankees. So that is the story. That's a little history for you. My dad didn't get to make it to the bigs primarily because of the New York Yankees. And that is the way it was back in the 1940s. Again, he was property of, I, I hate to even use that terminology, but that's the truth. Anyway, give us a call if you have any the questions Yankees, about the right? Yankees. The Yankees, the Yankees. That's right, the Yankees. And my dad ended up getting a shot with the New York Mets, which was very interesting, and went to spring training with the Mets. They had a guy, uh, Alvin Dark, and another guy at second base. I can't think of his name now. It's escaping me. My dad in spring training hit over 400. But when the regular season started, they didn't let my dad play. They made him a, quote, utility player because they had two players that were not of color at second and short. And they said, well, we can't move these guys out which ended my dad's professional career in the majors. And at that point, Leo DeRocha was the coach of the New York Mets, and my dad went to the Leo DeRocha and said, you need to bring up the kid um, and let him take my spot. I don't want to not play. I, don't, I need to play every day. I love playing the game of baseball. So you know who the kid was that was brought up at that point? Willie Mays. And my dad was the one responsible for Willie coming up to the Giants. And my dad then went to the Oakland Oaks. And that, again, is a story for the history books. Willie Mays took my dad's spot on the Giants team. And uh, in my opinion, Willie Mays is still the greatest baseball player to have ever played the game, including all the guys playing today. Willie Mays would be the absolute best. Anyway, that's a little baseball talk. I, I figure I can get away from basketball and football for a moment. We're in the midst of baseball. It's getting ready to get close to the playoffs, and et cetera. So we need to have that. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll get our moments with Mianos. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to the show. Let's go to the phone lines, talk with our good friend and football uh, analyst, and football coach, former football player, and all-around good guy, Rich Miano. What's up, Rich? How you doing? Having a good morning thus far, Artie. Uh, beautiful. How, how can you not? Yeah, we live, we live in the best place there is, that's for sure. I, I know you probably saw the injury to Tua, and you were... 
probably very affected, much like all of us. Uh, just hope the best for the young man. Tough situation, boy, having him go back on the field to play after five days after the apparent concussion, but they're saying it was a back injury and ankle injury. I've not seen anybody act like he acted from a back or an ankle, but backs can can hit you. A pain from the back can hit you and make you kind of kind of fall too. So, I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. Yeah, there's two scenarios here, right? Say that that was a head injury the previous week. That means now the NFLPA is investigating. If that is true, the independent doctor as well as the team doctor and all the way up to really the head coach and the owner could suffer some serious uh, ramifications when you're dealing with somebody's health in terms of head injuries in this day and age that we live in. If that's not true and that was a back injury, which I thought for sure that was a concussion or some type of traumatic brain injury, um, then that means, you know, Tua, hopefully, because all indications are that uh, obviously the extremities are good, his mental state is in a good uh, frame of mind, hopefully we'll see him again this season when he is healthy. Yeah, and, I, and I'm hoping that they will err on the – on the side of, of extreme caution and not try and rush him back after a couple weeks or something, make sure that he is, he is cleared uh, and have different, different tests to make sure he's cleared. We're going to have on my show uh, a little later this morning, uh, hopefully Dr. Jason Kiefer, who is a brain health specialist here in Hawaii. He's been a client and a good friend of mine for many, many years. And he's been, doing revolutionary work with uh, brain therapy and treatments, and I want to have his opinion on things. He hasn't uh, examined uh, Tua, doesn't know all the particulars, but I'd like to get some of his thoughts and ideas on the matter. Yeah, Dr. Kiefer is phenomenal. I I see him uh, continuously throughout, you know, the latter stages, not really, hopefully not too long into the stages of my life, but uh, he's been working on some wonderful athletes and uh, young people as well as some people, but Dr. Kiefer is, to me, the foremost authority on, on brain uh, in terms of rehabilitating uh, your, your cognitive uh, functions. Yeah, no question. And then yeah. we, uh, when he first started that, I was very much involved with him on that, and I'm proud to say that uh, that helped him help get it launched, and he's done phenomenal work and continues to do a lot of work. He's kind of a quiet, behind-the-scenes kind of guy, doesn't like a lot of notoriety in a lot of ways, but he has done a nice job with uh, with a lot of, like you said, athletes, people, whether it's a surfer or or, or a football player or, or skateboarder or whatever it is. He's done extremely good work helping people uh, become better and and the quality of life improves so we'll have a conversation with him let's talk uh football real quick the bye week couldn't have come at a better time no you're right Artie. and the most deflating thing of this past week's game against new mexico state university was i thought the defense was previously tackling a little better i thought they started to make some big plays with interceptions and turnovers um but again, this was a major step back because this was a team, New Mexico State University, that had not had a zero, had a touchdown, had a point in the previous four games in the first half. They ended up with 35. This was a team that had 108 yards average rushing, had almost 400, 360 yards, 
Um, so it was deflating. And then the offense, although they improved in what looked like in the second half, they had that few days in the traveling to try to institute some run-and-shoot concepts. And Shager was not as sharp as I expected him to be. The receivers were decimated. But the positive news is they have this bye week to get their timing, to install some more run-and-shoot concepts, and to get some guys healthy like Chucky Hines, like Zion Bowens, and some of these guys that actually have vertical speed to stretch defense. Yeah, well, it, it's it's critical. I, I felt like watching that game, and I always sit down before my show and I look back at what we talked about last week, and, and, and I'm thinking – uh, New Mexico State was two-point favorites going into that game last week at, at some point in time, and they looked much better than the University of Hawaii last week in, in some regards. And it, it seemed to me, and you know, I've been around football a long time, it seemed to me defensively we didn't line up uh, to stop them, and we didn't adjust to stop them when we realized we were, were lining up incorrectly. It was, am I wrong on that? Well, yeah, and there's an old saying, right? Alignment, assignment, you know, it starts with your stance and alignment, assignment, then it's, it's technique, then it's execution, then you got to finish the play. It seems to be where I'm not questioning so much schematics, although I would like to talk to some of these coaches because when you have a quarterback run first team, what, when I'm, and I'm not talking triple option, but I'm talking read option, zone read, all of those things. We played against a phenomenal athlete against Vanderbilt, but this was an average athlete oh, at no quarterback. Kidding. No kidding. This was an offense that was just trying to establish their run game. And for them to control the line of scrimmage, which doesn't bode well for our D-line and our front seven, uh, for them to be able to out kind of scheme us in terms of have that quarterback pull the ball, and then there's no contain. Sometimes there's too many people on the perimeter. Sometimes there's not enough inside. It was almost like they were one step ahead of us, and um, it was just, again, deflating because I thought the defense was making strides. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. You know, you talked about the front seven. Um, the, In my opinion, just watching this, and I've watched every game, and I usually watch the game, and then I go back and analyze the game, probably like you do. You watch it as a fan, then you analyze it afterwards, and you play, make plays, you, you run it back, you run it back, you look at it. I think our cornerbacks have probably been the one bright spot uh, with this team this year. I think the corners have really done a pretty good job in, in each game that they've been in. Yeah, Verdell Edwards with the interception, the lone takeaway in the whole game. And then you're right, in terms of theirs put on an island a bunch, the safeties have been very inconsistent. The linebacking core, once in a while, you know, you'll see Panay Pavihi and Isaiah Tufunga seems to have, you know, four, five, six, seven tackles every game. But the most disappointing thing is where's Jonah Kahavai Welch and also Matayo Soli, the defensive end? And then for Blessman to Allah and John Tui Tupo in that group to get, like, physically manhandled in terms of the dive, the inside running play with that big old running back, that, again, I haven't seen that, I think, since Bus Matala has been a freshman. Yeah, yeah, because they're much better than that. They are. Yeah, much better than that. You know, uh, this this bye week for UH football is, is perfect because now Timmy can hopefully get some of his uh, run-and-shoot concepts more instilled and as we switch to the offensive side. 
I, I often wonder, and it's like Timmy did it as well as Rolo did it. Guys come back, and, and they had such success in the basic run-and-shoot with variations because the run-and-shoot is an evolving offense. It's not – if June Jones was coaching right now, it's not the same run-and-shoot that he ran in 2007, okay? It's an evolving offense, and I was always thought that Timmy and Rolo and those guys coming back, they would run it, but both – Rolos tried for a year, year and a half to do something different and wanted to have the fans name his new offense, and that didn't work. And Timmy came back and brought in uh, the, old, the offensive coordinator from Eastern Washington who was a run-pass uh, specialist and kind of gave the offense over to him. But go back to what get, who got you to the prom and got you to be the king of the prom. I mean, the run and shoot has been good to Hawaii football I'm, I applaud him going back to that. Hopefully they can, they can institute certain things and, and have some success. Yeah, and I, I agree with you in terms of the time frame. Rolo did wait a year, year and a half. At least Timmy recognized after four games, whatever offense we were trying to run was disjointed. It wasn't happening. And so he went back to the run and shoot. And I like the fact that they've incorporated Caleb Phillips and Jordan Murray, the two tight ends, being receivers because they're mismatches in terms of, you know, nickel backs and linebackers. And so, you know, Caleb Phillips had an, a standout game, probably the offensive player of this past game. And so I did like that. I do like the fact that they have these 10 days to get ready for San Diego State and continue to work some the vertical passing game with Chucky Hines and Zion Bowen. So Shaker was not accurate. He, he was happy feet. He didn't make good decisions or good throws necessarily. But I still think he's the guy, and I still think we need to be patient with him because he's young enough. His arm talent is good enough. Um, I think he's a pretty decent decision-maker. He's a smart kid. He'll get better if we continue to, like, allow him these repetitions that are so valuable. So I think the offense will improve, and I'm encouraged by that. But I just i am, again, perplexed defensively why this defense – doesn't seem more sound against run option type of teams. And they're going to see a heavy run dose against San Diego State because anyone that's followed San Diego State football that's the last 10 do. years knows that they, they have a terrible passing game, but they're going to run it, and they're going to try to, you know, the physicality and, and just basically out-tough you on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, San Diego State is like we run three plays, and, and you know what is coming, and if you're good enough, you stop us. If not, we're going to run it down your throat. And they will do that. And they have, they probably have a lot better athletes than the New Mexico State has. They do. And, and like you mentioned, philosophically, they believe in what they do and they're going to continue to do it. And their running back core is, you know, one of the best in the Mountain West Conference. So you let those guys get to the second and third level. They're going to make you miss and they're going to make you pay. So this is a scary offense when it gets to that second and third levels because they're athletic at that running back position. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll be a good game. It's, it, the amazing thing is Hawaii will go up and play in San Diego State's brand-new stadium. And, and all the players from Hawaii will look at that and go say, wow, what if wish list number one would be to have something like what San Diego State has built? Artie, and the, and the thing that scares me the most is the fact that the Board of Regents and the, the governor are going to decide whether the University of Hawaii builds this new $400 million stadium in Halava or expand the University of Hawaii campus. 
And what scares me is, Artie, and I've talked about this at length, at nauseum, is does anybody remember the Aloha Tower project that Chris Hemeter, private-public uh, development, could have been like the Sydney Opera House where tourists and local people would gather in the entertainment district? Now look at that six bankruptcies later. We also talk about you know, the University of Hawaii facilities, whether it's the softball stadium and some other uh, things that they have not done proper. I think we, this is a world-class city. You and I believe no, that. You no. and I believe that there needs to be an entertainment district for our local people that pay such high taxes. What about residential, retail, hotel, entertainment, stadium, right there in Halava, like we deserve? I, I'm, it, this thing is, we spent $30 million in three years talking about this as Snapdragon Stadium has been built, opened, and is beautiful in San Diego. And here we go again with the, the government, you know, controlling our taxpayer dollars, and then always cost overruns, always time delays, and this is going to be the stadium. Well, the, the problem I have and have always had is when there's a state project, it goes to the lowest bidder. The lowest bidder then will build it with the least quality materials so that when there's Kona weather and the wind blows a different direction, all the windows will leak and they'll be they'll discover leaks coming from another area because they didn't account for X, Y, or Z because they forgot that there's Kona weather and the wind blows. Okay, so we'll have leaks. I just want we're going to spend $400 million. There's no one at the University of Hawaii that is qualified to build a stadium. By the same token, there's not many department heads in the state organization. we got to get this right, Rich. We have to get it right to get quality people that have done it. Do you want to have a, a major surgery on your system by someone who says, I think we can do it because we can do it cheap by doing it this way? Or do you want somebody that's world-class to come in and do your surgery? I mean, it's the same thing. If we got it, let's do it right, and let's get it done. Stop procrastinating. We're going to argue for two more years before we start doing anything. Ari, I went to a, a Chamber of Commerce meeting approximately four years ago with the CEO of L.A. Live was there talking about public-private partnerships in entertainment districts around the world. Uh, in London, they have one called the O. In Los Angeles, it's called L.A. Live, whatever else. Can you imagine us having an entertainment district that combined retail, combined you know, housing, combined restaurants, combined stadiums? I mean, this is what Honolulu deserves if Absolutely. we truly expect this to be a great destination. And you know, you look at Waikiki, there hasn't been that much improvement in Waikiki in the last 10 or 15 years. This could be not only for the tourists, but more importantly, for the local people. No question. No question. And and Hawaii is, uh, Honolulu is a world-class city. It's a destination. It's where people want to come and be and experience things. Let's not get this wrong. I mean, could you imagine if we could have used some of the money that has been wasted on rail, on a stadium? Oh, let me you know, not, Ari, let me and not I'd like to there. hear this. Yeah, let, let's not go there. Yeah. Let's, let's hear what Josh Green and Duke Iona think about this, not the outgoing governor who's deciding what, where this money is going to be spent, because that's the future. It's going to be built under their administration. 
right? And let's hear what their take is on this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm totally in agreement in that regard because we've got to get this right. This decision of the of the entertainment center and the stadium, and and the world class facility impacts Hawaii for the next 50 years. Our, my children, your children, your children's children will be impacted by this decision, and we cannot get this wrong. We cannot do another, another mistake that is a financial, uh, uh, just, I mean, just a, just a mistake. Yeah, I mean, we can't do it. We cannot do it wrong, and it's got to be a world-class facility. I mean, the UH did a nice job of retrofitting T.C. Ching to make it something that people can come to is it comfortable heck no if you're over six foot tall you it's tough to go in and out of those bleachers if you have to go to the restroom you interrupt everybody because there's no way you're walking through the 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 aisle to get out of your seat so you basically sit there and just just hold it i mean so to speak we've got to have people that make decisions that make sense and we've got to do it right this time man we've got to do it right Rich, and, I pre- and Artie, we yeah. don't have to necessarily bring in an outside consultant no. or an outside construction firm. What about Kobayashi McNaughton? What about Stanford Carr? What about Gary Oda? What about some of the great local developers oh, yeah. that know how to work with the administration? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to bring in an outside construction crew. I'm saying you need to just get it right and let the, How about everybody working together? I have no problem yeah. seeing guys saying, hey, you know what? Let's work together and make this thing happen. But we've got to do it right, man. And it cannot be at the lowest bidder. You can't build. I would hate to have a house or have anything built that is the lowest bidder. And then the change orders end up costing you billions. More than, more than, more more than the anyway. highest bidder. The change orders take it up exactly. over the, what the highest bidder was. Exactly. Anyway. All right, Rich, man, we got to go. We, we, we've gone. We could, right. have, we could have a whole show and not sports-related and just talk politics in Hawaii, <laughs> but let's not do that right now. Appreciate your time, man. Go and enjoy the rest of your week. Next week, San Diego State. Hawaii's got a big one. Yes, they do. All right, man. Have a great Friday. Thank Aloha you. Friday. Take care. Rich Miana, we'll be back with more after this. Welcome back to the show. Give us a call. Area code 808-296-1420 is the number. If you have some thoughts on anything we've spoken about and talked about, we will hopefully get uh, our guy Jason Kiefer, uh, Dr. Jason Kiefer, psychiatrist and also brain health specialist on in the next uh, segment right before the end of the show. And I'm very hopeful that he'll be able to slide us in between patients. He sees a lot of people on a daily and uh, was hopeful that he could come on and just, you know, answer a couple of questions and maybe share some things. Most people in Hawaii have a very soft spot in their hearts for Tua because he is a local guy that has done very, very well. We wish him nothing but the best. But it was troubling and scary to see what, what I got to see and what many of us saw yesterday as he laid on the field. Uh, it affected and impacted Everybody that was in attendance, uh, you saw the love that was being given to him by his teammates and even the visiting team. Uh, and I thought it was very cool that, that the Cincinnati fan base were, were yelling Tua 
or chanting Tua, Tua, Tua at the at the 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 end of that whole thing because he was being uh, carted out and and at least they gave him some love. So quality quality uh, representation of of uh, Cincinnati's fan base that they were were people of of uh, of quality and that was nice to see. Again, the number two nine six fourteen twenty is where you call if you want to talk a little story with me. UH basketball is kicking off today. I'm excited to go up and watch the first practice. Everybody will will get my take on things next Friday, but uh, I'm sure Coach Gannat and his staff are really excited to get the season started. Today will be a lot of puff and a lot of, a lot of fluff and puff, and everybody will be happy and fun, and there will be a an entertaining, there'll be shooting drills and there'll be running and there'll be all this excitement. This is what you, juices get flowing with this and this is good. Then they'll get into the grunt work and that's when we'll see how things are. But I'm excited to go up and watch that. I think it should be fun. A positive, in my opinion, Jerome DeRosier. No, he's not back as a player, but he is going to be a part of the program as a graduate assistant. I think just his... Being around the program because of his demeanor, the way he is businesslike and tough, I think that's a real positive for the University of Hawaii. I think DeRosier, uh, I wish he could play because he was the one player last year, in my opinion, that had dog in him that always brought maximum effort, didn't matter who he was playing against, and he wasn't the most gifted guy when it comes to his athletic ability. He wasn't a great jumper. He wasn't a great anything. But what he had, he had that little pit bull, that dog in him that I love to see, hopefully from the bench and in practices and as a grad assistant in the limited roles that he can have, he can influence the guys, and, and we can see somebody stand up and be the new Jerome DeRosier. I'm hoping that will be the case. When I think about it, I don't know who that person is going to be. I don't know if it will be one of the new guys that have come in or if it's going to be one of the old guys that decides he wants to step up and be that guy. This team has the chance, I think, and the potential to be very, very special. Um, it's going to require guys playing together. It's going to require guys, some guys having to give up certain uh, freedoms that they may have had before because there's other guys now that can play. Juan Munoz is going to be in the mix. Samuta Avea is going to be in the mix. You've got Noel Coleman coming back. You've got Kamaka Hepa. You have Bernardo Da Silva. you got a bunch of guys, and there's one basketball. Okay, so guys are going to have to really work together to share the ball. Uh, I'm hoping that they're going to open the, the the game up a little bit this year and go up and down the floor. They've got some guys that should be able to do it. This could be, this could be potentially the best shooting team that UH has had in a few years. If Noel Coleman comes back and and shoots as well as he shot last year, because last year he was on fire a number of times, and then you have. You have Juan Munoz, who is, was, was called the best pure shooter on the team before he was injured last year. And Sumo Tavea has a pretty good stroke. And Kamaka Hepa shoots that ball pretty well when he squares up nicely. Um, you know, this could, be, this could be special. Could be special. I'll tell you more 
after checking out a couple of practices this today and, and as the week comes along, it's just fun. The basketball season is right around the corner. And I was informed that the Golden State Warriors are playing a game today in Japan. They're playing against who? Some Some, some team called the Wizards. Oh, is it the Washington, Washington Wizards? Wizards? Yeah. Oh, so that <laughs> they took a team. Now, if we had That's a, for, uh, I believe, because the connection is uh, Rui Hachimura. Okay, who's on the that's Wizards. very cool. Uh, see, that that goes along the same things that, if you recall, and I've said this before, Coach Jones used to always talk about recruiting a football player from Tokyo and a football player from China every year and then making sure that those guys are really loved and respected and then you have a whole population of of people in japan and china who would support the university of hawaii that just came to mind when you mentioned hachimura being going back to washington going back to japan and the wizards taking him there to be able to showcase an nba player on a world-class level very cool by them anyway we're going to take our break an effort to get dr jason kiefer right now we'll be back with uh, hopefully Dr. Kiefer right after this. Welcome back to the show. Let's go to the phone lines now and talk with uh, Dr. Jason Kiefer, Brain Health Hawaii's psychiatrist, a specialist that has helped so many people. And I know he probably is uh, being inundated with questions and comments about what happened with our tour yesterday in that uh, football game. Jason, thanks for coming on for a couple of seconds. I know you got patience galore, so I appreciate you spending a few moments with us. Sure thing, Artie. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean, Tua had that injury, well, supposed uh, back and ankle injury uh, five days ago, and everybody thought it was a head, uh, a concussion. At that time, they, they deemed it to be a back injury or ankle injury, and then he came in yesterday, and and I don't know if you were able to watch it and see it, but Man, the way his body contorted and his fingers and hands, I mean, they they went in directions I've never seen before. And he flew home with the team to Miami. But going forward, he's he's got a lot of work that, that has to be done, and they've got to really check him out. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would say. I mean, first I have to, you know, the physician, I have to say, you know, without having intimate knowledge, you know, his doctor's the only one that can make that call. But certainly from a general perspective, Seeing the uh, the impacts and the, and the collisions that that he uh, that he took, there's there's a, a significant degree or a great likelihood that there was brain injury or concussive injury that occurred. And certainly having that second one, potentially a second concussion, in such a short time frame after, um, you know, just you just really hope and pray that that, that he's okay and going to make a full recovery. Yeah, when I mean you you've been you've been doing you know, just a new, new age type of therapy with people. You're, you're helping a lot of guys who have had injuries, whether it's surfboard accidents, uh, uh, skateboard accidents, volleyball, soccer. I mean, you're, you're seeing concussions and you're treating people. The, the time between one and a, one and another one, if it's a short period of time, does that then mean that the recovery time will probably be even that much longer before you're back to normal? You know, as a general rule, that's true. I mean, as anyone will tell you, anybody who works with concussive injuries and, and, and people who have suffered them, that, you know, no, no two concussions are the same, no two recoveries are the same. 
Uh, but what people need to understand is that, you know, concussions are not, you know, it's not a psychological injury, even though people will present with symptoms that look psychological. It's really a physiologic thing. You know, there's inflammation, there's neurochemistry changes, there's neuroelectrical changes and disruptions that occur, and it takes time to heal. And so if you're returning to play, whatever it is, whether it's football or soccer uh, or some sort of work environment where it increased risk for another impact. You know, if you haven't healed completely, then your risk for a subsequent injury is much greater, and it doesn't take, it frequently doesn't take uh, a very big blow to cause that next injury. Yeah, the, and, the, the, uh, second, yeah, the second blow could be fairly minor. It could be a brush of something. I mean, just a kind of a right, tap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could, be a little, it could be a little guy like me, like hitting a 6-6 tackle, and, uh, you know, if he's had a recent concussion, you know, even a minor blow can lead to concussive symptoms. And, you know, again, from a distance, seeing, uh, having just seen the video of Tua's recent, um, you know, that recent tackle, you know, that, uh, the, the force that his head hit the ground looked pretty significant. Yeah. Looking at, looking at something like that in, as far as treatment, and again, I'm not asking you to speculate or anything. I'm just saying treating you have done things and you've been doing things recently that are world-class and you would hope that he would have the, I mean, the Miami dolphins probably have access to some of the finest uh, medical uh, facilities and opportunities in the world, but there are ways to treat people that have been concussed, right? Yes, there are. We've, you know, we've looked at, uh, we treated countless number of people with concussive injury, concussive symptoms, and what we're really looking at, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's inflammatory changes, chemistry changes, and there's neuroelectrical changes because the brain is an electrical organ. So what we're able to do and what's, what's possible now is to look at that electrical disruption. And if you restore the timing, if you will, the electrical timing and organization, uh, people can frequently make recoveries much faster um, and and oftentimes can can return to play and work uh, full speed and and sometimes even better. You know, um, the, what you have done with the advancements in in your brain health treatments and stuff. I, I think about guys like Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Thomas Hearns, Roberto Durant. All these guys who are professional boxers. If they could have been treated the way you have been able to treat people their careers might not have been extended, but their career life after, their life after their careers could have been much better. Oh, I think in, in my humble opinion, without question, I mean, you think about, you know, what these folks presented with later on in life. You know, you know I can distinctly remember Muhammad Ali standing at the, uh, the Olympic podium, you know, looking like uh, advanced stage Parkinson's. And, you know, those are neurodegenerative conditions that we know that, you know, repeated concussions, um, I believe that some of the latest statistics are, you know, more than more than three concussions, and your risk for these neurodegenerative conditions later on in life uh, jumps significantly. And so, you know, the, the way we look at it is um, a lot of the neurodegeneration and and the late stage presentation has to do with brain cell death. And so, what we're trying to do is to restore sort of the sleepy or stunned brain activity, and in doing so. We think that we're uh, preventing the future risk of these neurodegenerative conditions. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about what you're doing. I know people 
and they talk to me constantly. I get people all the time asking me questions about it because they know you you sponsor help sponsor this show and appreciate that. But one of the things I'm clear on is you don't have to be a world class athlete to to get the services and and to know what's happening if you're a young person that's competing in any sport and you feel like you've had some issues you can get that checked out and you you like to have a baseline uh, like a marker to know where it starts and then you know how to go forward with treatment yeah that's it's it's always good you know we, in fact most of the concussions we treat are amateur athletes of a number of pro athletes but uh you know there's a far far greater number of amateur athletes out there and so certainly getting a baseline helps to have, provide a, a reference later on, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and people will frequently have some you know, brain fog or headaches or a little bit of anxiety or a little bit of mood or decline in, in academic functioning, not necessarily connecting the dots, but for a lot of these athletes, it's actually the downstream manifestations of some of the subconcussive injuries that they've sustained, whether it's heading a soccer ball or you know, being tackled to the ground or just a full-speed collision. And so... You know, getting that baseline can provide a, you know, a really good understanding of, of where you're at, and then connecting the dots later on if if, if you feel like you're uh, possibly have suffered some concussive injury. Yeah, one of the things that I I've found to be pretty interesting is, and you just mentioned it, soccer hitting hitting a soccer ball, in a lot of ways could be as as tough on a young person as making a football tackle with the helmet on. Yeah, there's no question. It's physics, you know, the the velocity that, that this ball is traveling and then, you know, striking the head is uh, frequently a uh, significant enough blow to cause a, a neuronally concussive event. Yeah, I love always talking with Dr. Kiefer because he uses all these big words and <laughs> and here and all of us are like, my head hurts. What can you do? And Doc, what can you do if I got a headache? Can you help me with that? We can talk. We will talk offline about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know the other thing that you do with your brain health uh, treatments, uh, you help people that have sleep issues and and, yeah. and the inability to get a full, complete night's sleep. I know that's been real important. Yeah, it's, it's of utmost importance. I think of sleep like uh, pouring concrete and rebar for your house. You know, it's 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 foundational. Um, and if we're thinking about you know, guys like Tua and other people out there, you know, certainly, you know, you, you, you hope that he has really good sleep quality because that's going to be the number one predictor, in my opinion, of, of him making a full recovery. And, you know, my, my heart just goes out to, to him and his family as, you know, again, ho- hopefully he's getting up on his feet by now and and uh, on, on the road to a healthy recovery. And like I said, sleep is a, a big part of that. Yep. Well, I appreciate it, Dr. Kiefer. We've, we're about out of time, but I appreciate you coming on, talking with us about it. And if people need your services, Brain Health Hawaii, it's in Kahala Mall. It's probably the best facility to to deal with uh, having a concussion or anything like that. Appreciate you spending some time with us, Jason. Thank you, Artie. All right. Dr. Jason Kiefer from Brain Health Hawaii does an unbelievable job helping people with recovery. To everyone, thank you for the time, for being a part of this show. Let's wish and keep a good prayer for Tua. We need him to get back. To everybody, we'll see you next week. I'll give you a report on basketball then. Aloha.